and welcome to The Long Short, a new podcast brought to you by AMAP, the Alternative Investment Management Association, which focuses on the very latest insights on hedge funds and private credit. My name is Drew Nicholl. AMA is the global representative of the alternative investment industry with around 2,000 corporate members spread across 60 countries. Of these, our fund manager members account for approximately $2 trillion in hedge fund and private credit assets. Each bi-weekly episode of The Long Short will examine topical areas of interest from across the alternative investment universe with news, views and analysis delivered by AMA's global team as well as a host of industry experts. So, whether you are a hedge fund or private credit industry veteran, a student of the industry, or just someone interested in learning more about hedge funds and private credit, this podcast will be your ideal companion to help navigate you through the long and the short of this fascinating industry. And I'm very pleased to be joined today by Michelle Noyes, AIM's Head of Americas, who is also a driving force behind the association's digital asset working group. Michelle, welcome to The Long Short. Hi, Drew. I'm thrilled to be here today. So can I start with a confession? Uh, Whenever I hear the phrase digital assets, I mainly think of Bitcoin, but there is so much more out there, isn't there? There is indeed. And, you know, you're like most people. Bitcoin is certainly the most well-known and the original cryptocurrency. And still, I think about nearly half of the $2 trillion in the digital assets ecosystem And, you know, a lot of investors came to this space because they were attracted to Bitcoin and especially this notion of serving as a form of digital gold and acting as an inflation hedge in portfolios in this current um, monetary policy moment. However, there is a lot more beyond that. It gets um, a lot more diverse and continues to evolve by the day. Um, and And it goes beyond the store value argument. So you know, we've seen a huge amount of growth in decentralized finance or DeFi as it's known, which is this notion of the internet of money. It's a hundred billion dollar market right now. We There's also non-fungible tokens or NFTs. This industry does have a lot of acronyms. Um, you know, no doubt you've seen headlines about digital JPEGs of rocks selling for, you know, $3 million. But beyond those headlines, it really highlights opportunities around digital property rights and ways that creators are being able to monetize um, everything from music to art to, you know, just this whole whole new world of opportunities. There's also stable coins, which are a notion of programmable money. So it goes deep. Um, as you continue to, to go deeper and deeper, it seems like there's always more to learn and it's, you know, it can be challenging to stay on top of. Um, you know, why should we at AMA care? Why should our, our members and investment managers care? It really has a lot of implications of what we can invest in and how we can invest. And in fact, when we asked our members why they were investing in this space, it was access to this new value creation ecosystem that nearly 60% of them cited. So it, it's something, um, you know, Bitcoin plays an important part, but there's a whole world out there beyond that. And, and you touched upon a few of those uh, different things that people are doing with digital assets and, and the variety around it there. But beyond just sort of buying and holding these tokens or, or coins, what uh, can investors do in this space? Yes, no, and, and this is where, you know, those of us in the institutional investment management world to get really excited because, yes, you can have a passive buy and hold approach um, to this asset class, which is, you know, still a large part of it. 
but there's also more fundamental um, bias strategies. There's quantitative driven strategies now that there's more liquidity in this market. There's market neutral strategies for those who don't necessarily want to go on the wild volatility swings that can happen in a space like this, but recognize opportunities for arbitrage, recognize opportunities for yield. Given how young this space is, um, there's still a lot of inefficiencies that you know are really attractive to hedge fund investors. And so, so that makes the market sound very active. But Aimer contributed a chapter to a digital assets report by PwC and Elwood Asset Management earlier this year, which found that only a fifth of hedge funds are currently invested in digital assets. And of those that are, they're only investing a very small amount. So, so what's holding back the majority? So I do want to answer that, but I would also push back against that assertion. It's quite remarkable that we're already at a place with the new asset class where about 20% of hedge funds might have some exposure. Um, and I think that should be acknowledged in terms of how quickly this space is growing and evolving, because that would have not that would not have been the case if we asked back in, say, 2017 or 2018 when we started some of this work. But there are some real obstacles that that you mentioned that um, you know folks have to get comfortable with. When we asked that question specifically, um, the three main issues uh, that were cited include reputational risk, regulatory risk, and service provider stack. So, you know, on the reputational risk, it's the sense of like, what are my clients going to think if I do this? Um, and of course, it, it is a, a rather polarizing topic that inspires strong feelings. So that's something, you know, that they they have to think through. Um, the regulatory risk, I, I think we'll talk about a bit, but there is a great deal of regulatory uncertainty here in the US where I'm based um, and also on a global um, scale. And then the service provider stack, um, it's not necessarily the same you know, service providers, fund admins, custodians, exchanges that they're used to. Um, but again, this is someplace that we're seeing a great deal of evolution uh, and, and ground being made up. Now, you, you mentioned allocators there, so let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Usually hedge funds will enter a space if there is investor demand to do so. And, and I think the same report uh, did bring a data point that said that there was demand in that space but for investors to um, encourage their hedge funds to enter digital assets. But could you just explain a little bit more about what the allocators are broadly saying about digital assets? So it's always going to be a difficult um hurdle an evolutionary process to get involved in a new asset class, particularly one as volatile as digital assets and, and where there's frankly still a large educational gap to be made up. Um, but, it, but it's been interesting. So, you know, we touched upon a little bit the different ways of investing in this asset class. And certainly, you know, you can consider going direct, going to dedicated funds, whether those are passive or actively managed. There's, you know, more liquid hedge fund style funds, then there's more, um, you know, illiquid venture capital funds. What there's not yet is something, at least again here in the U.S., is something like an ETF that, you know, they're a vehicle that they're quite comfortable with. Um, so it's it's a different menu of options in order to, to gain exposure if, you know, the investment case makes sense to them. However, this now that we're seeing, you know, quote unquote, traditional hedge funds, again, gain access 
as part of a larger portfolio, many of the allocators I speak to, to them, that actually does make sense, right? They can be able to get indirect access um, so long as they're comfortable that that investment manager has the investment acumen and operational risk management um, to make that a, a viable um, investment. So what I'm, when I'm speaking to them, if they're not at the place yet um, where they're comfortable making a dedicated investment, and you know, very, very, very few of them are, this indirect investment um, approach is actually quite appealing whether that's through their hedge fund, um, which is more relevant to our world, um, you know, you're seeing a similar phenomenon on the VC side as well, where you have generalist venture capitalist firms as well as, um, you know, boutique specialists in the space as well. Thank you, Michelle. And with that, we will go to a brief interlude. AMA are very pleased to partner with Help for Children for the HFC and AMA 2021 London Benefit Dinner which takes place on the 18th of November. The pandemic prevented us all from gathering last year to raise vital funds for HFC in their mission to prevent and treat child abuse. This year, we intend to do just that. The social impact of COVID-19 has already seen many more vulnerable children suffering from violence, abuse and neglect. Now, more than ever, we need your help. Help for Children was established within the hedge fund community and on their 15th annual benefit dinner, which coincides with AIMA's 30-year anniversary since inception, as an industry, there has never been a better time for us to get together to show that we still care. To book a ticket, book a table, or learn about sponsorship, email events at AIMA.org. All proceeds from this event will support HFC grants to the most effective child abuse and treatment programs in the UK. We hope to see you there. Welcome back. I'm joined by Michelle Noyes, who is in New York and acts as a leading force in AIMA's Digital Asset Working Group. Now, you'll have to forgive me, but I can't help but put you on the spot here because before the break, you mentioned the lack of ETFs in the digital asset space. And anyone who's been following the news will know that several institutions have unsuccessfully filed to launch various forms of Bitcoin ETFs with the US regulator. Can I just get a prediction from you on if you think we will see a digital asset tracking fund in the sort of near to medium term? Predictions are tough, particularly in the regulatory space, but it's safe to say there's a ton of attention on the question, um, especially when it comes here in the US, um, because there are ETFs in, in places like Canada and different passive exposures across Europe. Um, but you know, the big question is, will we get them in the US and when? Um, and that's something that the SEC continues to scrutinize. Um, you know, and I think generally, you know, we've seen that regulators around the world are recognizing that digital assets are not going away. But at the same time, they're wary of how best to mitigate the perceived risks and enable the innovation to flourish without it going completely outside of their, their purview and borders offshore. Um, you know, when they're looking at this, it's really through the lenses. Um, we can break it down into anti-money laundering or AML, taxation, and investor protection. So, you know, here in the US, again, the SEC Chair Gensler continues to publicly share his thoughts on the digital asset space. But probably don't expect any meaningful regulation in this calendar year of 2021. In the shorter term, we can probably expect more information gathering, enforcement actions, 
and increased scrutiny at a federal level, um, but certainly those ETF applications continue to come. In Europe, the EU is currently discussing a new digital assets law known as the Markets in, in Crypto Assets Regulation, or MICA, again, like our acronyms, and this is the EU's response to fill the, the gap really for crypto assets and intention to create a common approach across a single EU market. Um, and in APAC as well, the digital asset re regulatory environment is continuing to mature with a number of jurisdictions issuing guidance or imposing licensing requirements. So, you know, it's clear that this is a priority, um, you know, and, and here at AMA as well, we've created a subgroup really focusing on regulation within our broader dog initiative to drive AMA's regulatory engagement forward and provide some governance over that process. Michelle, how does AMA's digital asset working group fit into the broader market ecosystem? So our dog initiative and what I'm excited about is, you know, it really plays to AMA's strength in the work that we've been doing with hedge funds. You know, there, there's so much that rhymes in this history, right? Um, really creative, um, innovative traders find an inefficient market, leave large institutions, um, maybe dress even more casually and find opportunities for alpha creation. So it, and, you know, and that industry continues to institutionalize and goes through seismic regulatory change. We've seen this play out in hedge funds and, you know, have done our part in nurturing that evolution. And we see something similar playing out in digital assets. And that, that story really started in 2017 when, you know, I started seeing members who had been at, had been at you know, existing hedge funds leave, start digital asset ventures and, and look to engage with AMA in that way because they saw that story playing out. And, you know, when it came back, you know, at a much higher level in 2020, what was really exciting is that evolved, right? We've got the infrastructure, so much work was made on the operation side during this, you know, period known as crypto winter um, when the, the volatile, the price action went sharply down, um, but progress was being made and, and it came back and those firms are bigger and more institutional than ever. So there's still work to do on the, on that side. But more interestingly, you know, you also then have this convergence with sort of the core members that we work with in terms of starting to trade digital assets alongside, um, you know, FX and commodities and, and other asset classes. And, you know, it, it seems we can speak and help them along this process to make sure that as they get exposure to this, again, it, it's in the ways that they're investors and regulators um, need from a from just an infrastructure and operational risk perspective. So, you know, we we built back with AMA Digital Asset Working Group or DOG really to, to meet at this convergence point of digital assets and hedge funds. And, you know, we're unique within the digital asset space because we really do have this focus on buy side investment management perspective when we're looking at this world. As I, as I alluded to earlier, it's such a huge space in terms of the applications. And we're really looking at it through this lens of buy-side investment management. Um, we feel like that's where we can add value and we're seeing a huge amount of activity just in terms of the volume, um, you know, in terms of our dog group already, the number of members, our output, um, but also the intensity and the excitement level of engagement in terms of these working group calls that we ha are having. 
the, the number of people participating, the levels of in questions, um, the excitement that it's really generating is, is really heartening. And so for those that want to learn more about digital assets or the working group or any of those funky acronyms we've mentioned or uh, the many regulatory initiatives that are out there, where can they go? So we've created a page on our website at ama.org under the educational tab. There's a digital assets page on that now where you can find the work that we've done so far. You can find replays of all of the events and webinars that we've put on including the half-day conference that we hosted um, over the summer. It also has contributions from our members um, in terms of the resource, resources they're putting out. And, you know, it's continuing to, to grow. Um, we look to be publishing a paper on custody zone practices in the next couple of weeks or months. Similar uh, paper around ESG and digital assets. We'll be starting work on papers around trading and execution, a DDQ is in the work. So, um, you know, definitely watch this space. Excellent. Well, thank you, Michelle Noyes, AMA's Head of Americas, for joining us here on The Long Short. Clearly, digital assets are not going away anytime soon, so we will certainly have to have you back on the podcast soon. I look forward to it. The Long Short was brought to you by AMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative for the alternative investment industry. In the next episode, we will discuss the issues that smaller hedge fund managers are facing today. Other episodes to keep an ear out for include an exclusive discussion with senior industry leaders at KPMG on upcoming research that examines how hedge funds are evolving their business model coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. A new episode of The Long Short is out every other Wednesday and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and at AMA.org.